Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Lisa. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Katie. Good day to you, my friends, my podcast partner. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I always get excited and nervous at the same time every time we're ready to record a new podcast. All right, Lisa, if something really, really gets you excited, like really gets you excited, how do you sound? (laughs) I think I talk louder and faster. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So first of all, well, not first of all, I guess second of all, first of all, you are doing really well in this whole podcasting game well thank you katie you You always do well in the podcasting game i always have things i can learn and isn't that the beauty yes isn't that what keeps us going and keeps us young and keeps us you know engaged it's challenging every time for me but fun in a good way in a good way in a positive way Yeah. So a lot, so change is good, but also things that are tried and true are also good. So I'm giving you a lead into talking about what you're hearing from clients. (laughs) The consistency. Yeah. (laughs) How'd Um, I do? You did, you did well, but I I didn't figure it out till right now. Um, (laughs) I am getting several text message calls, emails, and all the women are saying exactly the same thing, just in different ways. And they're like, Lisa, I'm sick of looking at the clothes in my closet. I've been looking at them for almost three years. I haven't worn half of them. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I don't know how I feel, how I'm going to wear it. I'm a different person and you need to help me figure out what we need to keep. And I'm calling it the big purge. So obviously I have a system for that, but I just think it's really important for people to understand that everybody's thinking like this right now. So what you're saying is we are not unique and special. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want people to beat themselves up, you know, because then women go right to, well, I've gained too much weight or... Uh, I let my hair go gray and I don't know if that was the right choice anymore. You know, all of these different things that they're thinking about. A lot of women are thinking, well, maybe I need to get work done on my face. Right. I've heard that a lot lately. Um, The masks have come off. (laughs) The masks have come off. Exactly. And so um, I think it's just really important to not beat yourself up and realize that this can be a fun experience. I was just going to say the experience of transitions, you know, on a, on a similar, but different note, what I'm hearing from people, especially since I put up that little, the little piece about downsizing and showed the lazy Susan, which if you haven't seen, it's on our social media. Um, the experience of downsizing for people, which People are not alone in that thought too. They've been in their houses for 25, 30, 35 years. They're looking at a different place in their life. They're looking at maybe they want to do more traveling. They want to be less encumbered by the things that they have. So lots of people are feeling the same way about that too. Where am I at in my life? And the shift that I would like to see is, okay, this is exciting. This is an exciting time for the next chapter. So as daunting as it may appear to go into your closet and start that process or go into your garage and start that process, it's doable. It's doable. And there are people out there to help you do it. If you are not quite feeling comfortable doing it yourself. 
Yeah, and I tell people after I've finished helping somebody do the big purge, you see a complete difference in their face. Like when you when I come into their house, they're in panic mode, like you're ready to bring them to trial. And then <laughs> at the end, you just see like all this life go back in their face because it's a very therapeutic thing that happens. And once you get going on it and you're able to get rid of all the stuff, you go and look at your closet now and hopefully everything that you see in your closet with the exception of your memory pieces is what I call them. You can wear everything. And so when you get up to get ready, you're like, Oh, I can wear this today. Oh, I can wear this today. And then you can add, and then you can shop and then you can do all those things if you want to, but you got to do the big purge before that takes place. And that is in every part of your home too. Oh, I, sure. I yeah. recently, I recently helped my sister. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning, but I guess I have three sisters now. So <laughs> I won't say which one it is. I, uh, I helped her go through her whole house that they have lived in for 25 years. Her kids are out of the house and she had all the memorabilia and all the things that you had as your kids are growing. And we debulked, decluttered, reorganized. I think I spent, as far as money goes, maybe $300 on a couple of pieces of, of just art that needed to go and, and some things like that and some fake plants, nothing exciting or, but we transformed, I guess what I'm saying is we did this all with the things she had and her treasures. We just took the time and took it all down and brought it all back and talked about, do you really want to keep this? And what does this mean to you? And, and, and that was, she, that same look on the face that you talk about, like I was pulling teeth. And when we were done, she just couldn't have been happier. And her husband and her kids even noticed when they came home the first time. So I think that it, that gives you joy that you don't realize you're going to get from doing that kind of a clean out, whether it's your closet, whether it's your home, whether it's looking at something in a new light, it will it will give you joy. Maybe joy is too, maybe joy is too excessive. It will, it will make you feel accomplished. How's that? Yeah. I think you also look around and you live in your house differently. Once you do that, you see things for sure. You see things that you never paid attention to before. Um, Exactly. And while you're doing that, you can sometimes look at using spaces differently as well. I was talking to a friend um, who's changing the way they use their dining room because they really don't use their dining room as a, a dining room. They have a large eat-in kitchen that has a large table and that's where they go there. So the dining room has become a, a reading area with chairs and just beautiful, quiet area. So there's, there's ways to look at your house that you're in it. I do a lot of work with people finding space in their garage as their entry area because they don't have a lot of entry area in their house. So those are some things that you can look at the space you're in. You don't have to necessarily do a big remodel. You can tweak some things to make them work for you in your own home, but it does take time. It does take a commitment to, to the time to do it, whether you do it with a professional or whether you do it alone. There's or all with a friend of, or with a friend. Right. And there's all sorts of things you can find online about how to go through. Everyone's got a, an idea about how to do that. And I certainly have helped clients with that as well. There's great companies to do it. One of the most interesting things to talk about, we've actually got Anne-Marie Rogers, who works with direct travel. She is corporate incentive travel, but we're going to talk all things travel. She has been in this business for a long time. And my guess is when people travel, they, they have souvenirs, they come back with relics and you come to the time or, you know, you've gotten things passed down from grandma or, and you come to the time where you're ready to clean these things out and your kids don't want them. <laughs> so now, 
Now, what do you do with everything? That's a whole nother discussion for another day, but lots of things to think about when you're downsizing, when you're reorganizing, when you're changing, just like in remodeling, when you say, I'm going to paint that wall. And then it ends up being a whole first floor remodel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, people who have done that kind of the same when you start this clean out, you'll start in one area and you'll work through the whole, and there'll be a little bit of pain and discomfort, but when it gets done, it will be liberating. Exactly. You'll be able to think differently. The one little thing I'm going to say is that when you are doing the big purge, if you choose to do it by yourself or, and it's not a professional person helping you, it's wonderful if you can donate pieces. But let me remind everybody that if it has stains, snags, or holes, don't donate it. Nobody can wear it. And underwear, socks, bras, and swimsuits cannot be donated. Throw them in the garbage. Doesn't Um, matter if you've only worn that swimsuit one time because you thought it looked good and then it didn't. You got to get rid of it. Or or if you have a friend that if it's in perfect condition that she would be willing to wear your bathing suit because you only wore it once or twice, yes. But otherwise, don't bring it anywhere because they are going to throw it in the garbage. They can't keep it unless they're brand new socks or, you know, they still have the tags on them, things like that, that you've never worn. Yes. But if they've been worn, they cannot keep it. And I'm going to tell you this because it, it still absolutely fascinates me. And maybe it's just me and maybe my memory sucks. (laughs) I don't know, but I do a purge pretty often, you know, just, I really do practice what I preach and I cannot remember one thing that I have gotten rid of as far as a garment of clothing or shoes that I can come up with in my mind that I can say, oh, I really wish I would have kept that. There is not nothing. I cannot come up with anything that I can remember in that all of the times you I've felt purged. disappointed that you got rid of. Correct. I've never gone back and said, wow, I should have kept that. Or because I can't even remember what the was, right? <laughs> Well, that's a whole different story, Katie. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Is it because it, because I thought it was important, but then when I got rid of it, I really realized it wasn't that important because if I can't remember what it was, nothing comes to mind. But you're also professional at doing that. So you think in a different headspace than somebody that doesn't do it all. Which is why I'm bringing it up because I'm thinking maybe people would realize they might feel the same way. Like there's not anything that they would miss. Maybe the key is if you have a question, whether you'd miss it, put it in an under bed box and see if you do miss it. That's a great idea. All right. Well, we have Anne Marie Rogers with us and she is going to share all things incentive travel and beyond. So let's welcome Anne Marie. We are so excited to have you on. Not only are you a dear, dear friend, I mean like huge dear friend. You also have this incredible background and an envious travel schedule that you may want to pull your hair out sometimes, but we want to talk to you about all things travel. I know you are with direct travel. Give us a little background. What's your position? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, hi, Katie and Lisa. Thanks for having me. I I listen to your podcast every week, so excited to be here. Um, Yes, I'm with direct travel. I'm the director of meetings and incentives for our central region which really means I oversee all things that have to do with meetings, incentives, events for our corporate customers. So when you ask what that means, um, if a company is gonna take their top 100 people on a sales incentive to Hawaii, um, we plan it, You know, we do everything that has to do with every detail of it. And then you're right, sometimes we go along with and make sure everything goes well, so. Now, obviously through COVID, things looked a lot different and things were curtailed and everything came to a screeching halt. Yes. Yes. Uh, COVID was devastating for our industry, for our company. Um, You know, as a, as an example, we had pre COVID about 4,500 employees. We uh, systematically laid off probably about 90% of our company um, hoping to bring them back just because as you said, uh, travel screeched to a halt. So Uh, there was no travel at all. And people were worried and, you know, airlines were shut down. Uh, Those of us that stayed, stayed in very reduced capacity positions, you know, and just kind of tried to keep the doors open. So things are back. We're really happy about that, but it's quite an adjustment. Uh, You know, it was two years of, you know how you, well, you guys, you always say, 
boy, I wish I had a month off so I could organize the co- the covers. Well, <laughs> month off did not organize the covers. <laughs> didn't have the jobs done I was hoping to, but really happy to be back. But it's a new reality, like you said. So it has to be a new reality for companies too, who are putting travel together for their staffs, for their top 100, as you say, and talking about them. So if you laid off 90% and we hear what's going on in the airlines, they can't find help. So how does that translate? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. One of the biggest problems we're seeing as things come back is that everything's coming back fast. And keep in mind, like not every company laid off everyone. Some companies did really well during the pandemic. And and so they were still kind of planning travel, doing things, but employees were nervous and afraid to travel. So, you know, we've transitioned, I would say in the last six months or so, you know, things start, we, we had a little bit of steady business through the pandemic, a very little bit of these companies that were still traveling in different ways. But as things are coming back, companies are really ramping up and, and everyone's ready to travel. I would say six months ago, we were focused more on how can we travel safe? I, I would say a year ago, as things started coming back, it was can companies require their employees to go on mandatory trips? Maybe there's a sales meeting or a board of directors meeting, but some people aren't comfortable. So we were really focusing on the hybrid model and how do we bring some people together? How do we you know, stream in some people and do it remote? And at, at that time, had you asked me, I would have said there will always be a remote component to meetings. Nope. I mean, people are, our companies now are just saying everybody's hungry to meet in person. They, which is good news for us, right? Is that they're, you know, we were a little worried. Oh, it's so easy to Zoom. It's so easy to do meetings. You know, will people go back to travel? But there's a real benefit to in-person connection, um, particularly with companies that access to high level executives, those kinds of things um, haven't gone away. So Anne-Marie, that's exactly why I'm getting so busy and what I'm seeing in my clients, because now it's not if they're going to travel for work, it's when they're going to travel for work. And oh my God, now what am I going to wear? And the funny part is a lot of my clients have to start re-wearing their shoes and walking around their house because I've had two clients who have broken their ankle because they just put their high shoes on and went on a trip and they forgot how to walk in them. No, but it, but think about it. Like what if you wore high heels for your whole career working or or mid heels or kitten heels or wedge, right? You've been in flip-flops or no shoes for two years. And then you go on this trip, especially if you're going to Europe or someplace where there are cobblestone streets, like that's the first thing I say, where are you going? Because if it's cobblestone streets, oh no, you're not going to wear those shoes. And they've, they've gotten hurt. And Lisa, you are right on. I mean, we've totally changed how we plan these meetings because of exactly what you said. People have been working from home. They're not dressing up. Maybe their bodies have changed where they weren't uh, eating the same or working out the same. And so I've never gotten so many calls pre-trip about what are we wearing? How are we doing this? And also in the planning stages, when we're talking to the clients that are in charge of the planning, we're suggesting you know, flip-flop parties or things like that, because people, you know, more casual, we're suggesting more casual attire for these events. So you're you're right on in that. A lot of my clients are getting excited to be able to get dressed up again. So I think that if they find clothes that they like what they're wearing, they're going to be willing to dress up again. And you know, what you're saying is so true. I think what I referred to earlier about how things are changing so much Things are changing in our industry for the meetings every week. So, you know, six months ago, it was how can we do these meetings where everybody's in a different area and socially distanced, right? And as people would come into a meeting, we would ask them when they checked in, what's your comfort level? You know, we had at one point we had bracelets. So if you were, you'd wear a red, if you didn't want anyone to come near you, you'd wear a yellow if you were kind of so-so and you'd wear a green if you were okay with hugging. Now, in the past, everybody was a green, you know, in a sales organization, everybody was a green. And what we found is after a couple of cocktails, even the reds and the yellows. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's just interesting how it's changed and how it's changing every week in terms of what you're hearing. We were doing on-site testing as people would come in. We were checking temperatures, doing that. Most of that has gone away, but there's still a little reluctance to how do we do this? And the last thing I'd say on that is that, as you said, Lisa, People are out of practice. So not just out of practice on how to dress, but 
out of practice sitting in a meeting for seven hours in heels, out of practice having a couple drinks at night because they, you know, they haven't gone five days to a meeting. So as we're planning those kinds of things with the travel, we really end out of practice traveling. It's like, oh, geez, you know, I used to travel every week. I forgot to bring my pillow on the plane or I forgot this because I haven't done it for so long. So a lot of things like that have changed. Anne-Marie, when you work on this with all of the changes, do you as a company send out lists like don't forget to pack these travel essentials or these are the things you're going to want to put in your in your wardrobe to make your stay comfortable. We do. And, you know, we, it used to be if any of you guys went on any of these trips, we used to print booklets and mail them out ahead of time with the luggage tag. Well, that's all gone electronic. So we have apps for everything and we send it out about a week before. And we do do that because you know, on every night, it's what is the attire? Okay, resort casual. What does that mean to anyone? It's different to everyone. And you put something like that into the description, you're guaranteed to get 50 calls of what's resort casual and what's resort casual now. So we are, you know, we do have lists and try to remind people. And even as simple as remember your passport, remember, you can't get into Europe without uploading your vaccine card. Although again, those things have changed in the last even month. So and, and they're different for every country, you know, as are the masking requirements, as are. So what's nice about having it in a digital format is we can update it real time. So even if it changed, I had a group that was on the plane when the mask mandate was lifted. So everything we had, <laughs> was, they were all rejoicing, like the pilot said, you can take your mask off. Like, woohoo. Crazy. Now, the three of us have all experienced leisure travel within the last month. What are you seeing in trends that have flowed down from corporate travel? Are you seeing anything that's affecting corporate travel because of leisure travel? Absolutely. So the one market that didn't really go away during COVID or towards the end of COVID was leisure travel. And it makes sense, right? Because they can travel safely. They can travel in smaller groups. They can socially distance within their pod. So leisure travel really exploded. And with that, leisure budgets exploded because people had the money. So Um, That does flow down to business and incentive travel because availability is a big issue. Um, As we've all heard on the news, you know, flights are being, airlines are trying to be careful because they took a huge hit too. So um, we met with one of the airlines last week and they said, we're going to keep our schedule the same through the end of the year, which was disappointing to hear because they've cut back so many flights, but they're just trying to be wise. So that affects leisure availability on flights and hotels, business travel for sure on flights and hotels and you know, a lot of our clients who are finally ready to travel are saying, hey, we're back. Isn't this exciting? And are the hotels excited? Are we going to get some good deals? Well, the hotels are excited. Good deals? Not so much. I mean, it's it's definitely a seller's market for both airline, hotel, and all the vendors because um, everybody's back, right? So planning ahead is good. Um, you asked about trends. Uh, it's, it's different for kind of every market. We're seeing, uh, like you were just in Croatia. Croatia is a huge place that people are interested in. We're seeing that people for leisure are interested in a lot of adventure travel. And that's different than it used to be. It's not necessarily, you know, bungee jumping in New Zealand or as you think of the high adrenaline things, it's more off the beaten path and people are willing to pay for it. And we're seeing that also in incentive trips, which, you know, by the actual definition of an incentive trip is that, you you know, we could all go to Rome maybe, but could you have dinner on the Vatican Terrace? So when, as planners, when we're trying to create experiences, it's about what can they do that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. And that's really exploded with COVID because everybody's all about the experience now. And, and sorry, that leads into kind of the next problem, which is staffing. And a lot of people didn't come back to hospitality because I think they didn't want to work nights. They didn't want to work weekends. They had some quality of life, even though it was kind of scary during COVID. And so people, you know, hotels, all of the venues are having trouble staffing. So it's, it's again, a whole new world in that respect. I saw that when I was in Italy this summer. They're having the same issues in Italy as they're having in America with staffing and people not wanting to work and people wanting more pay throughout all of Italy. Even the smaller towns, I had the opportunity to talk to some of the owners of the hotels. They're working. The owner of the hotel, the woman that owned this hotel in the small town, she was cleaning, making the beds. Uh, then I saw her in the kitchen serving because they can't find help. For sure. We had a, we had a program at a very five-star, nice hotel 
in North Carolina. And two weeks before the program, the director of sales called me and said, we can't do your welcome reception. You know, the first night where everyone gathers. And I said, why not? And he said, we can't find staff. And I mean, this is a, you know, in an area where this is the number one employer of this area. So we, we brainstormed and he said, well, you know, I said, do you have any other good spots? And they had kind of a grassy area and they had a lot of food trucks in the area. So our solution was we brought in food trucks. We made it a casual evening. They didn't need the staffing, but I'm, and it worked out great. And the attendees were none the wiser. So I'm finding that, you know, we're having to really be very collaborative with our partners and come up with solutions because you have to shake it up. It's not, and, and that translates into something else I know we were going to talk about is sustainability and how we can all be responsible in that way. And it translates into housekeeping. So a few years back, if you approached your client and said, by the way, you know, you're going to this five-star resort, but you'll only get your sheets changed every three days. It'd be like, oh my God, what? Well, now it's, it's a responsible thing to do. We don't change our sheets at home every day. We don't, you know, so those kinds of things, the staffing is affected from a housekeeping standpoint, but we can sell that as it's responsible, being responsible adults and, you know, protecting the planet. That's fantastic. And, you know, going back to having to really think on the fly, and that's why when you have a a group that's committed to doing this, Direct Travel has been doing this for years and years and years, and you as the director in Direct Travel overseeing that, it doesn't pay to get angry about it. You have to find solutions because you've got a trip coming up. Yeah, we, you know, we always, I always tell our team, we're like the duck paddling under the water because your clients can't see it a lot like you guys, you know, your clients can't see the stress, but things change all the time and even more so with the current atmosphere. So we really have to be able to think and how to think outside the box to solve problems. I mean, people are getting stranded in airports and flights are getting canceled. And when you've got a large group or, or a personal trip, we've all seen people crying in the airports because they're not going to make it to the wedding. So I would say my advice on that is give yourself a lot of time, plan ahead. And if you're kind of a, a last minute, cut your connections tight, which, you know, I might be one of those, but if <laughs> something is really important to you, make sure that you set enough, set aside enough time and have a backup plan. I want to take a quick break. We want to talk about Rustica Bakery. We love Rustica Bakery. Do you have a favorite at Rustica? Oh my gosh, everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's a common answer. Hang tight. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about planning. And I know you said sometimes you're last minute, but definitely not in your work. You're not. Uh, We're going to talk maybe some tips that you can give to make travel easier and the times to travel. So hang on, we'll be right back. On the View in Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market and Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store, Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the take and bake cookies. Available online or in-store truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. Oh, well, as usual, some of the conversation that happens when we're on break is just as fascinating as the conversation that we have on here. So let's try to um, bring some of that back. First, Anne-Marie, I have known you for years through the University of Minnesota. You are, I'm going to say iconic, because I really believe that with the University of Minnesota, you are Anne-Marie McNamara-Rogers, and we all know the beloved your father, Bob McNamara, and your uncle Pinky, and you have carried that torch in your involvement with the U of M and your giving, your spirit of giving is just amazing to me. And I know I'm embarrassing the heck out of you, but 
it really needs to be, it needs to be said how much you give the university, you bleed maroon and gold, I am sure. Well, thanks, Katie. Um, and thanks for mentioning my sweetheart dad. It's his birthday coming up this month. And uh, yeah, so, you know, he's really, he was kind of a guiding light. And if anybody ever bled maroon and gold and led by example, it was him. So if I can be one-tenth as wonderful as he was, then I'm very happy to hear you say that. Yeah, I would say definitely more than one-tenth, wow. maybe a 20th. No. <laughs> How about a 44? <laughs> Even more than that, 44, number 44. So you attended the University of Minnesota. How did you get into the industry that you're in? Funny, by accident, as you hear some <laughs> people say. And and when I look at how the kids these days, our kids like plot out their, their lives and how they go to school and all of that, they're just so precise. And we weren't like that at all. I mean, I, I told my wonderful dad, hey, I think I'm going to go to ASU because it's warm there. And he said, uh, no, you're not. You're going to go to the University of Minnesota. <laughs> I thought it was my decision. He said, it is, and you're going to the U. So as a dutiful daughter, I did. But I went to school for special ed. I taught special ed kids for a couple of years. And um, and then on the side, I was working at the Hyatt Hotel during college and really liked the hospitality business and, you know, liked that whole aspect of it. And um, so kind of transitioned over to that. And then I was recruited away from Hyatt by Convention Bureau, which is Meet Minneapolis now, which would attract business to Minneapolis. And then um, from there, I went to uh, my current company, Direct Travel, where they do the, you know, outbound business. I probably should have done it the other way around. When I was young and single, I was in Minneapolis all the time. And once I got married, I was traveling all the time. Well, maybe that's the secret of a good marriage, right? That could be the secret of a good marriage, traveling all the time. Right. Although I know you don't travel all the time and you have a great marriage. So <laughs> but I'll tell you that, you know, a lot of the stuff I learned in special ed translates into business travel for incentive. Groups. It's like, you need to be all done now. You need to behave. You need to follow the rules. <laughs> It all translates through life. So, well, and I think too, when you're dealing with people who are probably a lot of type A or very high achieving people who are used to kind of running the, the aspect of their business to give them clear and defined guidelines has to be helpful. Absolutely. And we do have a lot of clients like that. Those are some of the more interesting trips we do in terms of incentive trips, in terms of different kinds of things that we handle. Do you have a favorite trip that you worked on or a grouping? I need to be careful. All my clients are my favorites. And I, I've loved <laughs> every experience, as you said, I've gotten to go to some wonderful places, but we've done some very high level level. Uh, we've handled the governor's trade missions for the state of Minnesota and for the state of Wisconsin. Now, if anything ever tells you what a Minnesota girl you are, it's doing a trip for the governor of Wisconsin, where I had to change my ringtone because it played the rouser. And oh. I had to listen to them talk about the Packers every morning. It's like, okay, but I I've been lucky enough to work with four different administrations through Minnesota. So Jesse Ventura, which was uh, quite interesting. And then Tim Pawlenty, Mark Dayton, and most recently Governor Walls. So those trips uh, are just really interesting uh, intellectually and just the people that participate. They're all top business leaders that travel with the governors. We, you know, we went to Israel for a trip, went to Jerusalem, went to Chile, did China several times, went to India. So those trips are just very, very interesting. And as you said, just a really high level of traveler that actually they're, they're sometimes easier to deal with than some of the, the middle managers because they, they're all pretty established and they, a lot of them are very good travelers because they travel all the time. But. I'm assuming that these companies that go are really looking for additional business avenues and how can they enhance and bring back to the state of Minnesota or the state of Wisconsin, as it were, going forward? Absolutely. I mean, when they say it's a trade mission, it really is. So I know that when we went to China, they were talking to uh, different companies about bringing Harley Davidson into China or uh, just different products that they could sell the corn and the soy and those kinds of things. And and those are just very interesting to see how they do things differently. We're not doing any trade missions to China currently. And that's another interesting thing as the political and business climate changes, the destinations change, but those government administrations pick these destinations based on where they want to do trade. So, and you know, a lot of our, the incentive trips are interesting because you get to see places like I referenced Italy where Lisa just was before. And we actually did a reception on the Vatican Terrace, which was wow. And privately the Sistine Chapel, we did a dinner in the Eiffel Tower in the private room up there. And as a job, you have to pinch yourself and say, wow, you know, I'm there experiencing this, but I'm here too getting to experience it. So it really opens you up. And as you and I have talked about, I mean, traveling is the greatest way to eliminate any prejudice because you see what's going on in all these different countries. You see how 
things are different, but how much they are like us too. So I think it opens up anyone from a business standpoint, from an incentive standpoint, from a leisure travel standpoint. That's very well said. And don't you think, Anne-Marie, because of what you've done and made a career out of it, you are a different person today than you would have been if you would have chose another career? Oh, absolutely, Lisa, 100%. And I, you know, I always try to remind myself to be present in where I am because it's easy to, you know, when you're doing meetings, stay in the hotel and not leave the ballroom and not ever leave for five days, but you step outside those doors and interact with people and and see, you know, we did a trip to a couple of incentive trips to South Africa. I mean, that's life-changing. And the trip to Israel, you know, we've been to Dubai and I actually have a board meeting in Abu Dhabi in September, places I would have never gone before. And it just really opens you up. And, And it's scary too. I mean, places that I'll admit when we were going to Israel and bringing a really high level delegation, I was nervous because there had been a lot of conflict in the area. You know, how do we control security, those kinds of things. And so it's really good to step outside your comfort zones. And now that's one of my favorite places. It's just, it's such an amazing place that everyone should go. So I agree with you a hundred percent, Lisa, in every place I've gone, I think I've really learned a lot. And I always try to bring it back. You know, my thing is Christmas ornaments. So I always try to bring a Christmas ornament back from every place I travel to so that when you're putting your Christmas tree together, it's like, oh, I got that in Israel. I got that in Hawaii, right? You know, so to bring a little bit back, so it reminds you. And that's great because it's something smaller. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not going to take up a ton of a ton of room in your, in your luggage. I saw a big statue of like the Pieta when I was in Italy and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be nice to have in our living room? And then I realized it was like to to look at it there. So you're right. (laughs) That would have been something to get back. Let's go back a little bit when we, before we took the break, you were talking about sustainability. We talked a little bit about trends and destination meetings. Talk about wellness as it pertains to travel and the cost of traveling and putting that all together in a wellness trip. Is that possible? Did I ask too many questions in one? No, and wellness is a huge trend from everything to how we're planning the menus. It's not a, you know, for the breaks, it's not a donut wall anymore. It's can you do, you know, smoothie shots and we're planning out the menus and taking in, of course, there are so many different nutritional needs now. We've got vegans, we've got gluten-free, we've got celiac, you know, all these different things that you have to consider. But I would say the hotels have really stepped up. And, you know, where 10 years ago, if I'd asked for gluten-free, they roll their eyes at you and say, yeah, it probably is. You know, now it's really something that the hotels, you know, really are equipped to handle. Also, in terms of our activities, um, a lot more wellness activities. So, you know, hikes and biking. And of course, spa is always a big one, but just anything and also giving back to the community. So we're doing, you know, corporate social responsibility. We call them CSRs almost everywhere we go now. So it used to be something that the, you know, the CEO would say, well, we should probably do something, but it was really based on who was leading that company and that charge. And some people actually used to say, you know, I'm not interested, I'm on vacation. But now it really seems like there's a whole new awareness of the world, to Lisa's point. And people are saying, you know, what can we do to give back to this community? And from the sustainability standpoint, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. I, it's just so important for all of us to embrace this. And so, you know, we, we were moving in the right direction before COVID. COVID was 10 giant steps back, you know, everything all of a sudden had to be in personal plastic containers again, where we, you know, used to have water stations and the gifts we were giving were water bottles and things like that. We're moving back that way so that there are hotels now, all all the hotels have a program now. They will actually measure your carbon footprint. So you can offset that with financial incentives to make sure that you get to net zero, just like we were talking about earlier responsible housekeeping, responsible breaks where you're, you know, using locally sourced food and trying to keep all of that in mind. That's a whole new aspect of the planning for us. I was on a sustainability panel a couple months ago, and one of the hotels had an amazing statistic about how, you know, we've all gone to an incentive trip or a a work program where you get to choose your entree the night of, you know, and a choice of three. Well, now they told us that if you choose when you check in, so, you know, four days before the event, they were eliminating food waste or reducing it by 92%. Now that's such an easy thing to do. So as planners, it's our job to make sure that the customers and the corporations understand, Hey, if you set this rule down, you know, and like I said, water pitchers instead of water bottles everywhere and just reducing your plastic, the soaps, most hotels are now putting in the big canisters of soap. And then the ones that do have bars of soap are recycling those and using those. So everybody's really stepping it up and 
as I said, it, it is so important for all of us to realize. And I think it's important to realize, you know, I have had clients that say, well, what does it matter? What does it matter what we do? It matters what every single person does in every single company because it's, it all adds up. It's really fun to see that happening in our industry and, and that it's such an important thing. And it, it sounds like through COVID, obviously, because of staffing issues and all that, people have had to get smarter. They've had to figure out ways around things. So if we can, you know, we've talked all the way through about are there good things that have come out of COVID? I think maybe there are within the travel industry, certainly not the high high cost of travel that we're working on right now. But I think that'll probably adjust itself as we see as we see things going on. Is there a time of day, a time of the week, a time of the month that that makes more sense to travel? Good question. I mean, it really depends on your goals. Like I said earlier, if you've got an event that you have to get to, give yourself some time and don't wait for the last flight of the day. Because if you travel earlier in the day, there are going to be more flights. And that's really something to keep in mind is that most of the airlines have scaled back the flight. So check it out and make sure that you know if you're going to Raleigh, Durham or somewhere, there's one flight a day, or if there are two flights a day, make sure you're on that early flight. If you're going somewhere like Chicago, you can maybe take a little more of a risk, but traveling in the, in the morning is smarter if you want to make sure you get there. On the flip side, traveling at night, you know, a lot of the evening flights, the airport's not as busy. It's easier to get through security. If you're traveling internationally, as, as we have all done recently, the lines are crazy. You were talking about tips and tricks. I mean, there are really easy tricks that hopefully we know, you know, making sure that you've got TSA pre-check. Or my favorite guilty pleasure is clear and it's worth clear. every penny because it's enhanced security through. So it's saved me many, many times where you get through security fast and people are like, who's that that's going to the front of the line? Nobody. But uh, it's, and, and also like the credit cards that will give you, you know, there are several credit cards that will give you free bags that give you priority access to the lounges, those kinds of things. You know, those are all for people that are traveling a lot. Those are all coming back. And I mean, I think you guys all saw a couple, about a month ago, some of the lounges were limiting when you could come in, which tells you the travel is back because people are really utilized. I never knew people went to the lounge when they landed. Like I they, didn't either. What, why do they either. go to the lounge when they land? I don't know, to have a cocktail or something, but they, they changed the rule that when you're ending your trip, you can't go to the lounge. I think they might've changed that back just because there was- I think they did. Yeah. Well, what if you're traveling with a bunch of people and you don't? your flights are coming in at different times, maybe you meet in the lounge, or if you think it's going to take a while for your luggage to get down there, you, you head to the lounge. I suppose there's reasons, but no, or you have a quick meeting as a recap to the trip you just took, you know, so I can see that there might be reasons, but I have never thought about it until that conversation came up. What's interesting when we're talking about all the different things that are going on and you look at what the airlines have done, like statuses and how you get points for this and points for that. And they doubled up on, and now people are trying to use those points and they're not offering as many. So it's very interesting what the airlines have done in that way. The other thing I think will be interesting to watch and what I don't understand, but I'm not in this business is how can you not know you're going to not have staff for that plane that you need to cancel? It just boggles my mind that there's not, okay, you know that this pilot has timed out, so you've got to have another one. And that's not, why is that happening at the, at the last minute? The efficiencies in that business is kind of frightening, or is it that they can get away with it right now because nobody can do anything about it? I mean, i I used to think that if a flight got canceled because of the airlines, you got reimbursed, but I'm hearing that's not the case. Only if it's the airline's fault. So if it's a weather related or anything like that, you know, they don't cover it. And I don't think, I mean, my, just my personal opinion, but I don't think that the airlines are canceling flights on purpose or not trying to, but I just, I think, you know, it's, a, it's just like a perfect storm of, as you said, you know, the labor shortage and pilots timing out. And, you know, there was a pilot shortage, but they're doing you know, all the airlines are doing great things with incentives to staff up and, and make sure that they have that staff. So I agree with you. I think it's going to level out. I, I think, and I hope some of the pricing will level out as, you know, because right now it's a supply demand and everybody wants to fly. So prices are really high. Hotels are really packed. So I guess that'd be my other tip is really try to plan ahead. But we have a mutual friend that was trying to plan a trip for next fall. And you can't really plan that far ahead because the airlines only release their, their schedules one year out. So, but just keep your eye on it. And, you know, there are days of the week that are better to book flights. You know, middle of the week has traditionally been the time when fares are better. I don't know that you can, I mean, I wouldn't say you can depend on that, but just keep checking and be aware. 
And I'm always, I'm always amazed at, especially like the top level executives who will come back and say, well, you know, I'm flying tomorrow or I'm flying in four hours. And I have a middle seat. Like, was nobody monitoring that? Because when I'm flying, I'm checking that every single day for two weeks before just to see, did anything better open up? So be aware of what your flights are, what your options are, and what your lounges are. You know, if you have a long international layover, those places can save you. They sure can. Well, interesting to me too, that they can change those flights. Before we went to Croatia, I think almost daily, I got to know, your flight has been changed. And sometimes it was within minutes. Sometimes it was, okay, we're not offering this flight anymore. So you need to rebook over here. It's very fascinating. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think if traveling is not for the faint of heart right now, but once you navigate through it, it is so worth it. For sure. And and I say, try to think outside the box too. You know, like we were recently traveling to Brazil and we had a five hour layover in New York. So I was like, what are we going to do at JFK for five hours? Well, as you know, I'm a bit of a workout fanatic. So I Googled workout facilities and there's a brand new TWA hotel, which is very retro and modeled at, and there's a $10 pass where you can go work out. You can take a shower, you can relax. So it was right on the, it was in the airport. So we did that. So, I mean, kind of think outside the box. You don't need to sit in the food court for four hours and make the most of, you know, when you're talking about wellness, make the most of your layover time. Go get one of those chair massages. <laughs> yeah, right. Those are <laughs> awesome. And those places are opening up again too. You know, the, the one hour massages in the airports and those kinds of places. So it's kind of fun to see that a lot of those places are opening up a lot of the shops in the airports, and it just gives you hope that things are back. I want to end with this. Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport is probably one of the finest airports I've ever been in. It's fantastic. And it just keeps getting better and better. And it keeps getting rated better. I don't spend enough time there because I, as I told you, I tend to get there kind of close to the time of my flight. But And I don't go to lounge after the flight. Thank goodness for clear. Uh, when you pack, Anne-Marie, how many of Lisa's rules are you following? <laughs> more and more. I uh, I now roll everything. I'm using the bags, uh, you know, and, and I really try to think it out. Out. I mean, your recent podcast where Lisa was talking about a business trip and planning out what you wear every day. I didn't realize how much stress I had thinking about what am I going to wear today until I started thinking about it ahead of time. So very smart to appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. We're going to talk about the charity that you picked. So M Health Fairview Masonic Children's Hospital is another one of your passions. And I know you and Marie have been on Fashion Fest for quite some time. Tell us what Fashion Fest is, and then we'll talk a little bit about Masonic Children's. Absolutely. Well, Fashion Fest is an event that the U of M Masonic Children's Hospital sponsors Wine Fest, who many are familiar with. And then Fashion Fest is a fashion event in the fall. This year, it's November 18th. It's always at the uh, Renaissance Hotel downtown. And I have to thank Karen Kaler for getting me on this committee eight years ago with uh, a number of wonderful women to support the hospital. And it's a great event. This whole area is run by Elizabeth Patty, Nick Engblom, and Christy Vilhar. And the things that they do for the hospital, it's just amazing. And if anyone ever has a chance to tour that hospital or get involved with anything they do, I would highly suggest you go to Fashion Fest website and sign up, get your tickets for Fashion Fest, which again is November 18th this year. It's a really wonderful, fun event to go with your girlfriends. And there's a fashion show. And believe me, if you ever thought I would be involved with anything to do with the fashion show, I never thought I would, but hospital is <laughs> tremendous. And, you know, we've been personally affected with some good friends like Natalie Bouchard and Logan and the O'Brien family and Casey and what they're doing at that hospital is life-changing. So I very, very strongly support that charity. And I thank you for asking about it. Yes. And fashionfest.umn.edu is directly the Fashion Fest so you can get uh, tickets. But some of the things that Fashion Fest has done, they've raised $1.5 million for critical life-saving pediatric services. And some of those things they've supported are art, music, and poetry therapy, parent date nights, family movie nights, massage and therapy services, uh, Nutrisource uh, facility dog program, a spa day, the birthplace gifts for new mothers, story time, entertainment, education, and recreational electronics. So if you want to give directly to uh, the Children's Hospital, the Sonic Children's Hospital, then go to makingagift.umn.edu. I strongly support Fashion Fest. I have been to it a number of times and the hard work and dedication that goes in and the things you learn and new places you see 
see to be able to shop and support that our local is is really really fun and all the while you're you're giving back so thank you for for that Anne Marie it's a wonderful wonderful organization and thank you for being with us I know that we normally give out contact information if you are a business in particular and you want to talk to Anne Marie and she can steer you in the right direction with direct travel how do people do that Anne Marie Oh my email is a rogers at dt.com and it's r o g e r s not like Aaron Rogers and uh, my number is 952-746-3514 and thank you both for the opportunity thanks Anne Marie you are first class all the way you right back at you wait 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 Anne Marie Lisa has a question we haven't asked for a while what do you think your superpower is huh. I don't know that I have one I, I guess if I have a superpower I would have to say I got it from my dad uh, really appreciating all different kinds of people and I think it was uh, when I, I worked for my dad in college thought I was pretty open-minded my dad had a bar downtown he said you're gonna work here and I watched how he interacted with every single person and boy did I learn a lot there in terms of how to treat people and and how everyone has a story so I think that's my favorite thing is just learning about people I would echo that Anne Marie and also because of that your ability to connect people that's awesome. also your superpower thanks Katie okay now we can let you go thank you a million thank you guys oh I love me some Anne Marie <laughs> we were talking a little bit as we said goodbye and uh, she said she wished her superpower was to be able to speak every language wouldn't that be something yes that would there's a that's a lot of languages to learn I couldn't even do one <laughs> well I'm trying I'm trying are you what are you working on I'm not really working on anything but when I was in Italy because I've been having this business slash relationship with Jennifer and I was with her family all week I was able to pick up on the conversations they were having. I couldn't speak back, but I could understand more than I thought I could. And I was pretty proud of myself. That's awesome. You didn't catch them saying, oh my God, that Lisa? <laughs> A few times, yes. <laughs> That's okay. Oh. I deserved it sometimes. No, what I mean no, by that, when Jennifer you, told the Lisa. story about me on the bike and mm -hmm. how I had the long dress on and I was yes. freaking out how I was going to ride the bike, First, she spoke in Italian and I'm like, that isn't nice. Just show me how to do this. You know, it was that kind of thing. That's what I mean by that. Yes. Yes. Love it. Well, I have to admit you are a lot of fun to kid. I, people have said that. People well, you're very that. good natured about it. So there's that. Thank you. What people don't realize about me is I'm an introvert. I think people pick up on that. You standard poodle, you. I'm a standard poodle. <laughs> okay, enough of that. All right. Well, I love doing the podcast with you. Loved having Anne-Marie on. Uh, I want you to go have the most fabulous day and week to follow. And for everyone listening, they want to get a hold of you. How do they go about doing it? Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net is my email. And you can go to my Instagram account or theviewinyourmirror.com. That's right. That's right. And you have a website, wardrobeconsulting.net. All right. I'm at Katie at katieharms.com. If you need help, I will crack the whip and help you declutter. Yes, you and, will. And uh, yes, I will. And we'll have fun doing it. Darn it. And uh, I am at katieharms.com. Again, Lisa mentioned we are at theviewinyourmirror.com where you can find more information on us, more information on past podcasts, more information on all of the nonprofits that we are proud to have talked about. And until next time, we wish you the most fabulous view in your mirror. Give yourself a smile. Give yourself a pat on the back. You are the best you you can be. Mm -hmm.